0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. As we
1: begin spring training on the Rico,
0: I've got a question.
1: In fact, I've got 10 of them. That is the big topic here on Rico Bronia biggest spring training questions we want answered before camp ends and we begin the 2024 regular season. Welcome to Rico Bronia. Thank you for downloading and you should download more and subscribe more and maybe review the podcast because apparently that's good for us. And if it's good for us, it's good for you. The model of this episode is that we are about to begin spring training. Carlos Mendoza has met the media. David Stearns has met the media. Pitchers and catchers are working out. The full team will report in the next couple of days. And then before you know it, we're going to have spring training games, which is for us the first time we can make any kind of judgment about this roster and about this team. Because guys working out and having a catch and reading articles about guys saying they're in the best shape of their life That don't mean anything, but actually watching baseball games, which we're going to get a chance to do in the next couple of weeks, changes a few things. So what I did is I wrote down 10 questions, 10 important questions, 10 basic questions, and 10 questions that I hope as a Met fan can be answered over the course of the next month and a half in spring training. These are not questions for the regular season. These aren't questions such as, Hey, what kind of manager is Carlos Mendoza going to be? Because the truth is, we're not going to see any of that in February and March. Like our judgment on Mendoza as a manager is going to come by watching him manage regular season games. I don't really think there's anything he can do over the next six weeks that's going to make us say, Oh, that's what kind of manager he is. So the questions I wrote down for the 10 questions I want answered in spring training are not questions that we're going to get answered in May and June. There are questions for right now. There are questions that I hope over the next six weeks can be answered. So we will present those 10 questions. Pete and I will give you our thoughts on what we think the answer may be. And then we'll throw it to Pete to see if there's any question I missed. Because I ain't perfect. I just got 10 questions. Maybe I should have more. So let's start things off with question number one. Number one. What's the role of Tyler McGill going to be? And what I mean by that is, is Tyler McGill going to start in spring training? Is he going to pitch every five or six days, whether it's in inter-squad games, whether it's in regular spring training games, whether it's in B games? Are they going to stretch Tyler McGill out and treat him like a depth starting pitcher? or, Or are the Mets going to look at Tyler McGill and say, you know what? maybe he could be a good reliever. Maybe he could be a good arm in this bullpen. Now, I can tell you right now, I lean towards the idea that they are going to continue to stretch him out and keep him in the rotation. And I think they're going to do that, not based on what's best for Tyler McGill, but mostly what they already have in their bullpen. The Mets are going into spring training with, in my opinion, six guys, maybe five, but really six, who are pretty much borderline locks to be in their bullpen. Diaz, Raley, Diekman, Fujinami, Lopez, and probably Drew Smith. And Adam Adivino, so I forgot him. I should include seven then that are real locks for the bullpen. My apologies. Which doesn't really leave that much room. And because there isn't that much room, I think for now, they're going to look at, well, where do we need McGill more? And it's probably in the rotation. So that's my guess on what they do. But it's the first question I have, which is, Hey, what's the role of Tyler McGill going to be? Because I'm still intrigued, Pete, by what he can be as a reliever. That maybe the best of McGill would be as a guy that comes out of the bullpen as a fireman, more so than a guy that's being stretched out as a starter.
2: No, and I, I think you're right, and which is why I lean towards they're not going to stretch him out too much. I think his with the bullpen they have right now, they still need that long that middle long relief type of guy. Who in a bind can go two or three innings when need be. So he's not gonna be your quintessential, hey, tight spot. Tyler McGill's coming in. Let's see if he can get out of this, you know, two out jam. Or let's get him let's get him an inning in the fifth. No, he's gonna come in. It's gonna be the third inning. It's gonna be a Tyler McGill needs to give us three innings here. That's what I think he's gonna be. So I think that you're gonna see him stretch out a little bit more than you know, a uh, a uh, basic reliever, but he's not going to be a starter in, th- in that sense.
1: Watch this. The first spring training game of the year, which is on Saturday, February 24th, it's on television. SNY is going to have it. A lot of us are going to be so damn excited. We get to watch a baseball game in February. My prediction is the big drip himself. Tyler McGill will start that game and that'll be, the, <laughs> that'll be the first met we watch pitch. In 2024, question oh, opener, yes.
2: opener, opener, not starter. Opener. Wow. I think in <laughs>
1: spring training game number one, everybody's an opener. I mean, think about it. Like spring training game number one, maybe you pitch an inning or two. It's like an all star game. Question number two. And, and I want to be clear about this. This is not about performance in spring training. This is about how a guy looks. And watching this guy play baseball will help tell us, hey, how does he look? Health-wise, how does Starling Marte look? I think that's a really, really important question. That's a question that will help determine what this season's going to look like because the health of Starling Marte is going to be major. So what I mean by how does he look health-wise, there's a couple of ways to answer this question in spring training. Number one is how often is he going to play? Like are the Mets going to treat in spring training Starling Marte like somebody who's in bubble wrap? Now, I don't think they will. Because he's played a little winter ball. So he's already been out there. He's played some baseball. A, how much does he play? B, how much of him do we see in right field? You know, again, when we talk about keeping him in bubble wrap, are the Mets going to DH him mostly? Now, during the regular season, it's very different. You're going to want to keep him fresh. You want to keep him healthy, especially if he's off to a productive start. But I'm talking about for that six-week run between February 24th and the last week of March. How often do we see him play? How often do we see him play right field? And then the key thing is, how does he look? And and I've never been one to get crazy about a performance in spring training. Guys hitting 350 doesn't mean he's going to have a great year. A guy hitting 195 doesn't mean he's going to have a crappy year. So it's not even about, hey, what do the stats look like? It's not really about that. It's about how does he look? On that little looping fly ball down the right field line, how does Marte look? On a ball that bounces into the right field corner, again, assuming he's playing right field, how does he look? Uh, is he striking out, looking meekly? Is he making hard contact? I think that, not that this will be the determining factor necessarily on what kind of year he's going to have, but it's certainly going to impact on how we feel about Starling Marte. Because I know you said this, Pete, you saw a highlight of him in winter ball, and you were like, Egh. That wasn't really impressive. It's a highlight. It doesn't mean a lot. I think you know that. But when you watch a guy play a baseball game, a full game, when you watch him run around in the outfield, when you watch him take a couple of at-bats, you get a better idea on, okay, is this this 2022 Starling Marte or is this the 2023 Starling Marte? Because the truth is the difference between those two players are huge, and that's going to help determine what kind of season this has. So I I think that seeing him play baseball – And seeing if he looks healthy or not, and if that groin is an impact or not, I think that'll help tell us what kind of season potentially he's going to have.
2: Yeah, the problem is, though, is I think he's going to be more of a DH as it's come spring training because they're going to – I mean, honestly, like you have a lot of other guys that they're going to want to see field. They don't need to see – they need Marte healthy in the regular season. They don't – I'm not saying they don't need to see what he can do, what his capabilities are – but I, I could picture him getting those DH starts. And if anything, Max get like three innings a game tops in the outfield. I mean, it's not going to be really productive.
1: Well, but you got to get him ready for the season. Like there's a fine line between keeping a guy kind of rested and safe from injury and then also getting a guy ready for a Major League Baseball season. Like one of the big drop offs that Marte had last year was his defense. I think we always jump to the offense and how he was such a different player offensively, but. Man, he looked like a borderline goal glover in 2022. And then last year, he was a mess in right field. I mean, DJ Stewart, once he started playing right field, was a clear defensive upgrade over Starling Marte. So I don't know what the proper balance is on how many innings he needs to be out there, but I don't think you can completely keep a guy in bubble wrap. He needs to get ready for the start of the grind of a regular season.
2: Yeah, but here's the thing is, right, like, so we, we, something, I mean, there's a lot of questions that you still have left, so I'll, I'll try to keep it generic. There's a lot of openings still on this team. Bench spots, outfield, fourth outfield spots, fifth outfield spots, mm-hmm. whatever it's going to be. If the Mets look at him and say maybe his best days in the outfield are behind him, maybe he's somebody that they look more as a bat and not a fielder.
1: Yeah, well, he could end up being the DH. We've talked so much about anything a bat. Maybe the DH is Starling Marte. I think it's a possibility, depending on the way the season goes and depending on the way performance goes. The Mets have, to me, they've got their five outfielders. Their five outfielders are pretty much set in Marte, Nimmo, Bader, DJ Stewart, and Tyrone Taylor. If Tyrone Taylor, I'll pick him out of a hat, has this amazing April. Like, he's just hitting. He's just off to a really, really good start. You're gonna to want to play him more, and if you're gonna to want to play him more, and he's a better defensive outfielder than Starling Marte is, all of a sudden that could lead to Marte DHing. So there are a lot of factors that could could lead to that. But it's funny, we we will do a podcast about the roster, we'll make our 26 man roster predictions. But as of right now, barring injury, and that's the thing about this injuries obviously can affect a lot of this. The Mets have five outfielders on their 40 man roster, and it's set. Like so, there really isn't. When you talk about battling for roster spots, there is battling for roster spots, but it's not really in the outfield. You know, Not when you've got Marte, Nimmo, Bader, Stewart, and Taylor. You're pretty much set out there. Anyhow, question number three. Is Brett Beatty, is, or Brett Beatty, you got to help me with the grammar here, is or are, are both Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos battling for the third base job? And I ask this question because, when we did the David Stearns podcast a couple of days ago and we listened to his press conference and he was asked about spring training competitions, he left out third base, which to me was a warning sign that it's not a competition. And then when the follow-up question came back to him and said, Hey, is third base a competition? He said, yes, but it didn't sound like he really meant it. It almost felt like Brett Beatty's the third baseman. We believe in Brett. So, with Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, throughout spring training, if Vientos is going to get at-bats at third base, uh, games started at third base, he'll get at-bats at DH, obviously, too, maybe a little bit at first base, is Vientos better defensively enough to where it is a competition? Like, how do these guys look? You know, if Vientos has a better camp than Brett Beatty, not only offensively, but dare I say defensively, which I know feels like a shock because when we've seen Vientos play third base, he has not reminded anybody of Brooks Robinson. Could he end up as the predominant third baseman? Is that a possibility? Or was David Stearns' initial reaction that it's not a competition the truth and that it's not a competition? So A, how are we going to see playing time split between these two guys? Like, Are we going to see Vientos Mostly just get at-bats at the H? Mostly get at-bats by playing first base? Or are we going to see a lot of Vientos at third base? Um, Or is it not a competition? Like, Stearns' kind of, his first reaction made me think that it's not, and it's basically Brett Beatty's job. But a lot of things can happen in spring training. Brett Beatty had a really good camp last year. It wasn't good enough to make the team. What if he has a crappy camp? You know, what if Beatty picks up where he left off from last regular season and he struggles and Mark Vientos hits the freaking cover off the ball and looks competent at third base? Like, is it a possible competition or is this all Fugazi? And Brett Beatty's the third baseman no matter what happens.
2: Yeah, so I, I think that David Stearns seems like an honest person so far. Like, we've gone through the Pete Alonso stuff. He's never once wavered free agency is basically where he's going. So that that's where I try to build this logic up. He tells us that Beatty's the third baseman. I think that's his intent, but you can't tell me if Vientos starts to play. I'm sure he's going to have to learn, not learn, but have to get reps the same way that Marte needs to get reps in outfield. Vientos got to get reps at third base. And if, Beatty is looking, uh, you know, sloppy. He's not productive at the plate, and Vientos is out playing him. That's going to create a competition, whether Stearns likes it or not. So right. that I, th- I think that's just a natural thing. Beatty's his guy, but Vientos can steal the job still. It's so not a, given, not a it, given.
1: Yeah, this is like a follow up to the same question, so it's kind of like a question and a half. And it relates to when Mark Vientos is playing spring training games, where is he mostly getting his at-bats from? And the reason I ask that question is because, look, Mark Vientos is not an outfielder. They played with that a little bit in 2021, but he hasn't played a game in the outfield since 2021. So if you look at 22 and you look at 23, and I'm talking about what he did, A and the major league level, he plays two positions. He plays third base. He plays first base. You want to include DH as a position? Fine. But. Really, that's not a position. That's just, that's how he gets his at-bats. So he gets his at-bats from three different spots, first base, third base, and DH. Last year at the major league level, he played 10 games at first base, 19 games at third base, 37 games at designated hitter. in triple a that year he played 26 games at first base 33 games at third base and he only dh four times so in spring training how often does he play first base which by the way that doesn't mean anything about pete alonzo's future that's just hey who's the backup first baseman for this team it's probably mark vientos if you're going to want to keep pete alonzo fresh and you're going to want to DH him every once in a while, which he didn't do a lot of last year, but maybe you want to this year. Who's the first baseman? The first baseman's Mark Vientos. Daniel Vogelback ain't here. Not that he was ever playing first base. Mark Canna's not here anymore. It's Vientos. So in spring training, does he play first base more? Or does he play third base more? Because the Mets have a lot of other options to play third base. And I don't necessarily just mean in spring training games, but when the rosters break. They're going to have numerous guys on this roster that besides Brett Beatty play third base. One guy off the top of my head is Joey Wendell. Another guy who may not make the team, but certainly going to get a lot of at-bats in spring training is Zach Short. So they've got these other third base options. How often does Vientos play third base in spring training? How often does he play first base or are they basically going to treat him as the designated hitter where that's most of where his at-bats are coming from? So I'm curious about that because I think it may give us a little bit of an indication on what they think about him defensively. So think about it that way. We ask, hey, is there a battle for third base? The Antles may never play third base. And if that's the case, that'll show you that they really don't believe he'll be the third baseman at any point. Speaking of defense, here's my next question. So this will be officially question number four. Does Brandon Nimmo only play left field? The Mets have still not really answered the left field center field question when it comes to Brandon Nimmo. Uh, Brandon Nimmo said to John Heyman on his podcast recently, whatever's best for the team. And the Mets have almost given him the option of when Bader plays, you're our left fielder. But what about when Bader doesn't play? Do you want to shift back to center field or do you want to just play left field? Well, guess what? Spring training is going to help tell us the story. Like, in spring training, is Brandon Nimmo only playing left field? Or is he playing center field and left field? I'm going to give you a guess. I'm going to give you a guess. I think we'll still see him play both. I've thought about this. Like, which way does he go? I think Brandon Nimmo, and I I get this impression from a lot of outfielders, playing center field is a sense of pride. It's a sense of, hey, that's the most important position to play. So, I think Nimmo will bounce between the two, and I think we'll see him play both outfield positions. But... It is a fair question early on. Does Brandon Emmo only play left field? Here's my next question. This is a good one, Pete. This is my favorite question. I think it's going to be your favorite question. Are you ready?
2: Let's go. i love it. Oh, you're excited. Ready.
1: Does Drew Gilbert, Jet Williams, Luis Cunha, Those are the three prospects I'm using, but does any of the major prospects have a shot? to shock the world and make the team out of spring training. Now, remember, last year, very different situation. We saw some young players tear the cover off the ball in spring training. We saw Ronnie Mauricio have a majestic spring training. We saw Brett Beatty have a really good spring training. And we spent most of our podcast on the Rico screaming and yelling and begging for these young players to make the roster. And I would sit here and say, well, they're not. They're not going to make the roster. Here's why. And I'd give you all the boring roster reasons for why it was not going to happen. And Pete would get himself worked up in a lather. How is money? Ronnie Murray not on this team. This
0: is about it.
1: And it didn't happen. Now we have a different administration now. We've got David Stearns. We've got David Stearns telling us openly, we want young players to get the opportunity to play. We believe in giving young players an opportunity to play. So let me ask you this, Mr. Stearns. Jet Williams is in spring training as a non-roster invitee. He's there. Drew Gilbert is in spring training as a non-roster invitee. Luis Angel Acuna is on your 40-man roster. What if they tear it up? Fair question. What if Jet Williams just destroys in spring training? Will you guys give a real thought to a young player, prospects, all of them? I mean, all of these guys we just mentioned are top 100 prospects in Major League Baseball. Two of them you recently acquired for broken down aces. Do you give them a real chance to make the team? Now, my initial answer to this question, Pete, is probably no, but you tell me, do you think that if one of these guys has a big camp like Mauricio from last year, we are having the same conversation
2: as last year, but maybe we're getting a different result. Billy Epler had one thing in mind was to overpay, to bring in talent. Now you have David Stearns who needs to evaluate, and he's been saying over and over, I'm evaluating. And I think he's a smart man who, if he sees that, He's got something special. He's gonna he's gonna use it to his advantage, and like I just we said earlier with Marte, like there's no there's no guarantee that Starling Marte is your everyday right fielder. It's just not. I mean the health issue, all this other stuff. So we could sit here and talk about Gilbert Acuna or or um or Jet Williams. They could sneak into the outfield. There's a there's there is. A, a possible way that they could make a roster, it can't be for a bench spot. It's got to be for at least a, oh, you know, yeah. semi-starter. You know, like a fourth outfielder that gets a, a normal rotation, but he can't. He's not a bench spot. It's not like playing once a week. It's got to be playing three, four times a week at
1: the very no least. No question. It's it's funny. I think the smoothest kind of route, or the smoothest uh scenario is true Gilbert more than it is Jet Williams and Luis San and I don't just mean that based on how close they are but last year Luis San was playing shortstop and he was playing second base Jet Williams was mostly playing middle infield as well I think he got like a smattering of time in the outfield so if either of those guys and we'll see what positions they ca- sort of playing majority of the time in the minor leagues or even in spring training both of those guys could make this team, but then force changes, which means Jeff McNeil maybe being an outfielder. I mean, honestly, like if Jet Williams tore it up and the Mets said, yeah, screw it, you're making the team and you're going to be our opening day center fielder, all of a sudden that just changes McNeil's role, which is a part of the value of Jeff McNeil. Drew Gilbert, on the other hand, is a center fielder. And right now, the Mets center fielder is Harrison Bader. At least that's the impression most of us are under, that Bader's going to play most of the time at center field and Brandon Nimmo's playing left field. Well, if Drew Gilbert tears up spring training, we all know what Harrison Bader is. Like, we don't mean that as a negative. He's, He's a very solid fourth outfielder. I've said that since the day they signed him. So it feels as if the one kid, and I'm keeping the pitching prospects out of it, obviously. I'm talking about these three top 100 prospects that's the smoothest, hey, that guy tore it up. Here's what we're going to do. Drew Gilbert's a center fielder. That's it. It ain't that complicated. And Harrison Bader becomes what he should be, a fourth outfielder. I'm afraid to say I think the answer is no, but I would love to see this become a thing. Let these kids tear up spring training to the point where that's what we're talking about, where that's the major issue, not just on Rico, but on our radio station, where all of a sudden you have to pay attention to young players that are tearing up spring training. My next question, question number six, the performance. And I usually don't ask this with performances, the performance of Luis Severino in spring training games. And I'll tell you why I bring that up. Luis Severino got hurt last year in spring training. And then the year he had with the Yankees was very, very uneven. And it was a rarity for him in that he was healthy, quote unquote, he pitched and he was terrible which has not been the case with Luis Severino over the last half a decade. Usually it's just he doesn't pitch because he's not healthy. But last year with the Yankees, and it's something that was close to us because we saw it all the time, became unpitchable. He was so bad for the Yankees that there were starts where you said, you can't pitch this guy. Like if you're a serious organization – and we think the yankees are how could you send them out there every 5 days so just i'm only saying that just to remind you of the kind of year he had last year i'm curious how he pitches in spring training because if we're seeing luis severino get just his ass handed to him the way we saw it in the summer of last year that's going to cause panic and i think because he was so bad last year i'm not one to say that ah, spring training he's working on things i think there are guys who, when that happens, you say, yeah, they're having a bad spring training. It's not that big of a deal. I think the Mets have a few guys in their rotation like that. Kodai Senga, I wouldn't be overly concerned. Uh, Adrian Hauser, like even Adrian Hauser, I wouldn't be overly concerned if he got beat up in spring training. I'd say, yeah, you know, I already know what he is. I know the back of the baseball card. I'm okay. Uh, Jose Quintana, same thing. Jose Quintana had a lousy spring training. Be like, "Ah, All right, let's get to the start of the year. I think... Because Severino was so bad last year when he pitched, if he struggled in spring training, I think of anyone in this rotation, Pete, he would cause us the most pause to say, what's going on? Is this just a continuation from what we
2: saw last year? I'm not as worried as you with this spring training because I don't take anything for spring training for real at all. I know that Severino has concerns, but I think they're all working through stuff. So there might be something again. The biggest thing with Severino was the tip pitches, right? I mean, I think that that's that's basically what the the census was why he was so bad this year, lost and also injury issues, too. So I, I think that anytime a starting pitcher like Severino gets in on the mound in spring training, they're working on perfecting certain things. They're trying to work out some work out some kinks. He can get blown out every game. Let me see how he does in the regular season. I'm not worried about spring training at all.
1: All right, save that because I think you're full of crap. I think in this case, you're full of crap. <laughs> I think that <laughs> I, do. I mean that. I think with this player, you're full of crap. If If Luis Severino all of a sudden begins spring training and in his first start gives up back-to-back-to-back home runs, and in his first spring training start, two innings, six runs. And in his next spring training start, three innings, five runs. I don't think you would be giving us this, well, he's working on things. You'd say, here we go. We signed this piece of crap. It's the same thing as last year, blah, 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 blah. And by the way, as someone who doesn't worry about spring training stats, I'd kind of have that same fear. That's why I'm bringing it up as a question.
2: I need to see him pitch reasonably well. Bullshit. Bullshit. And I'll tell you why. Dude, who, you just me? Yeah, because you want to why? You just told me he pitched three innings. That's amazing. He went three <laughs> innings in spring training. You went three innings deep over and over and over. God bless you. That means he probably threw about 50, 60 pitches. I'll take it. That's That's good.
1: All right. Let's see. Let's let, let's see. Hopefully this doesn't happen. Hopefully he just pitches well. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be nice. (laughs) I don't really worry about results in spring training for the most part. Look, not every situation is exactly the same. I admit that. I think because of the year he had last year, there would be a little pause if he struggled. All right. Here's my next question. This is the one that we've sort of asked for the last few weeks. What additions, if any, will this team make? Now, David Stearns admitted the offseason isn't over. We've had a very unusual MLB offseason in which predominant, I don't want to say predominant, but some of the elite level free agents are still available. So until they're signed, there's always that back of your mind thought of are the Mets going to do something? And you know, I take David Stearns at face value with some of the things he said. I get no impression they're adding a starting pitcher. So even if Jordan Montgomery's market continues to to swell, assuming it is. I don't see a scenario where the Mets are jumping in and getting him. So it's not even the starting pitching, it's more the bat, specifically JD Martinez still being out there. Did the Mets add a bat? Are they going to add somebody? You know, that that's the question and it's the same question I think we've asked for months and months now, for weeks and weeks now, which is are they going to add that DH, that stick that in my opinion they could really use. That would enhance this lineup in a big way that would make this lineup deeper, that would protect Pete Alonso. Is it going to happen? Uh, to me, once J.D. Martinez signs, that's it. Because there really aren't many other bats available after you get past J.D. Martinez. Justin Turner's already signed. Jorge Soler signed a couple of days ago with San Francisco. This is not that much out there. So my assumption is that's it. That's the kind of the last stand on JD Martinez being the one bat still out there. That is intriguing. Question number nine. I think I'm up to nine already. Jeez, man. Which journeyman will have a big spring training and make us think? And I say that because it happened last year. Last year, the Mets had a journeyman player who had a big spring training and we thought, we we pondered for a little bit of time saying, huh, should this guy make the team? Now, eventually we all decided, no, he shouldn't make the team. And that guy disappeared. And we forgot about him until he came back. And now he's a lock to make the roster. The guy I'm talking about is DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart last year in spring training, I don't want to say quietly but sort of quietly because we were so enamored by Ronnie Mauricio and Brett Beatty and the other young players. But DJ Stewart had a big spring training. He drove in 11 runs. He hit about 350. And I'm telling you, you go into the archives, the Rico Brown, we had a conversation about him, which was, Hey, what do you guys want to do? Guys having a big camp? Should we just ignore it? Should we just close our eyes and make believe it's not happening? What do you want to do? And ultimately the Mets sent him to AAA. They didn't do anything, but is there somebody in spring training, who's gonna have a big ass camp where we're like, huh? What should we do? Should we respond to that performance or should we make believe it didn't happen and maybe we bury that guy in triple A and we'll see him later? But it's funny, DJ Stewart was that guy last year, and now DJ Stewart is a let's face it, he's a lock to make the roster. He's one of those guaranteed he's on the out, he's on the team out. How much does he play? That's a question we'll get at the start of the season based on, I guess, if they add another bat and really how Carlos Mendoza wants to line this thing up. But what do we do when a journeyman has a big spring training? How closely do we say, hmm, we should do something about this?
2: Well, you're going to see Joey Wendell do it. That's the guy that's going to have... Yeah, but he's
1: going to be on the team anyway, so it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, he's already on the team, so it doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, I mean, but but, uh, does it change our position about where he is playing every day? Uh,
1: to me, I, I tell you right now, to me it doesn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it
1: does to others. Joey I mean, Wendell having a big spring training would just be like, all right, well, he's on the team anyway. Hopefully he keeps that up during the season.
2: Yeah, but, you know, the other day, freaking David Stern said, you know, we're talking about third base, and it made it sound like Beatty's the guy, but then he's like, well, you know, we do have Vientos. We do have Wendell, and we do have, what, uh, Zach Short? Zach Short, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what all of a sudden is Zach, Zach Short has a great spring training? We we talk about him being the everyday third baseman. I I freaking hope not.
1: Yeah, I think we we. So Joey Wendell's on the roster, right? So we all know that you know, barring injury, obviously he could be on the IL, but assuming he's healthy, he's on the major league roster. So I, I don't think him having a big spring training to me at least would impact anything because he's already on the roster. He is what he is. I wouldn't view him as a starter because of a big spring training. With veteran players, I wouldn't do that. With younger players, maybe it's a little bit different, but with a veteran player, it wouldn't impact to me at least how often I would play him. But it does lead to my last question, which is which non roster invitees have the best shot to make the team? And some of the non roster invitees are journeymen that the Mets picked up, very similar to DJ Stewart last year. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, DJ Stewart was a non-roster invitee a year ago. Didn't make the team. Ended up in Triple A. Then the Mets added him to the 40-man roster once they called him up. And you know, history has been written. <laughs> apparently DJ Stewart's on our team. And we all like him. So when I say non-roster invitees, I want to keep out the younger players that didn't need to be added to the 40-man roster. So like guys like Jet Williams and Drew Gilbert, I put them away because and Kevin Parada too. They're they're non-roster invitees, but. To me, there are two different kinds of non-roster invitees, not to get in the weeds. There's the prospects that aren't on the 40-man because you don't need to, and then there's the journeyman you invited to camp thinking lightning may strike, and that's the guy who, if he has a big camp, could break through and make the team. And there's a couple of guys, I'll mention them because they are former major leaguers. They're guys that have been there before, and so maybe they make you think. Number one, they just signed him the other day, Ben Gamel the former Yankee, the outfielder. He's bounced around a little bit. Ben Gamel has a big spring training. Does he force our way into the roster? Uh, Trace Thompson, the brother of Clay Thompson, by the way. And I think Trace Thompson's hit some big home runs against us for some reason. Like, I think I remember Trace Thompson hitting a home run as a Dodger against the Mets. But then again, what crappy player hasn't hit a home run against us? But can Trace Thompson, you know, at 30 or 31 years old, however old he is, nice slugging, tall right-hand hitter, outfielder, can he come in and have a huge spring training? This Taylor Colway, another outfielder that's a non-roster invitee, veteran, can he come into spring training and force his way in? I think with the outfielders, it's going to be tough, only because the Mets are pretty much set, I think, in the outfield barring injury. They picked up this guy, Ryland Bannon. Could he make a big impact? Yomer Sanchez, who I remember back in the day with the Chicago White Sox, switch-hitting infielder. I think he could, by the way. I really do. Because I think that infield versatility, a guy that can play middle infield, guy that can play third base, switch hitter, the uncertainty at third base with the younger players. I know they want to let Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos play, but I think Yomer Sanchez may have the best opportunity of anybody. They have a few catchers that are non-written roster invitees. In fact, there's one you may remember, Tomas Nito. <laughs> Tomas Nito is back as a non-roster invitee. I'll tell you this, man, if there's an injury to Narvaez or Alvarez, you're damn right we may see Tomas Nito or Hayden Seeger. And then you've got a lot of the pitchers. And I do think if we're being honest about, okay, which non-roster invitee has the best chance to make the team, it's probably a pitcher. Austin Adams was initially signed to a major league contract he's now a non-roster invitee Kyle Crick is probably screwed because he got hurt I think David Stern said that that he's going to miss most of the camp so you could kind of forget him Nate Lavender Yaxel Rios Cole Salser one of those relievers has a big camp Danny Young lefty reliever one of these guys has a big camp Chad Smith there's a few injuries in the bullpen That's a guy or one of those guys could kind of sneak in and take a spot. But as far as kind of taking those two questions and combining them, what journeyman player has a big camp and makes us think? My prediction is Yomer Sanchez. Oh, I forgot somebody, by the way. Jose Iglesias. Jose Iglesias is a non-roster invitee. And I think a lot of these guys don't make the team unless there's an injury. And that's what makes predicting the 26-man roster when we do it in a couple of days so difficult. I, I like to make predictions based on the fact that no one's going to get hurt because I don't want to sit here predicting, okay, this guy will be on the IL, that guy's going to be on the IL, and that guy's going to be on the IL. Who the hell can predict that? Nor does any who wants to do that. I don't want to sit here predicting guys getting hurt, but I think injuries are the biggest factor that can kind of change the way a roster looks. Like all those outfielders that they brought in, they're not making the team unless guys get hurt. But knock on wood, and I knock on it, if Starling Martin and Harrison Bader have to start the year on the IL, well then guess what? Trace Thompson and Ben Gammel have a great chance to make the team. That's how they would make the team. I don't think they'd be able to do it through a big camp. Any questions I missed, Pete? Any questions you have that I did not touch on through my 10 questions?
2: Well, I just want to piggyback off the last thing. I think if you're going to talk about who's going to make it out of the non-roster, I. It, the mind frame is just all defense. I think Jose Iglesias makes the most sense because it's not about his offense; it's about his defense, which is why, if anybody, it'd be him. And I think that they, I think Ben Gamble clearly has a connection with David Stearns. so those two in particular. Um, I guess the one thing is, and I, I hate to go deep with this, but who's filling out the bench, and and how? Like, so who's gonna be really rotating? Who's gonna be that super utility guy? That's going to be able to be that fill fill in uh, constantly. You know, DJ Stewart was somebody that we see in the outfield, but who's going to be a super utility guy that's going to see him all over the place, whether it's first base, second base, third base, outfield, and that's going to be your bench spot probably. So that's what I'm I'm looking at. Um, And then I guess just the last bullpen spot is, is the is the only other thing I really think of.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's funny, barring injuries, there's not a lot of bullpen spots because Diaz, Riley, Adovino, Diekman, Fujinami, Lopez, and Drew Smith, that's seven relievers. So you don't exactly leave yourself with that much room. You know, it's really one spot. It's one bullpen spot. And, you know, I mentioned a lot of the non roster invitees out of the bullpen, but what about the guys that are on the 40 man? Josh Walker, Sean Reed Foley, Phil Bickford, Reed Garrett, Max Cranick, Michael Tonkin. Like, yeah, you know, unfortunately, in that case, someone will probably get hurt. Like, you'll probably, we'll probably, unfortunately, be talking about a couple of guys on the IL when it comes to pitchers. But assuming there aren't injuries, there aren't a lot of bullpen spots up for grabs. That's the thing, but we'll do a a very in-depth breakdown coming up. We're giving you some bonus additions as we get set for spring training here on the Rico. And one of the bonus episodes will be trying to project this 26-man roster and who's going to be on it and who's not going to be on it and how they're going to break down this roster. So we'll go into more detail on that coming up in the next couple of days.
2: I do have one last one, just because for me, I thought he was a wasted addition last year. I know he's still on the team but there was talk about maybe him being traded. Omar Nevaez. Mm-hmm. I, we all know Francisco Alvarez is going to get the playing time. He's going to get the run. Um, and now if Tomas Nito is still going to be around, is that the guy that you're going to – are you going to potentially trade Neva- Nevaez? So how much playing time does he get off the bat? Does does he see enough? Does, do they use him DH? Are they, if he has a productive uh, – Spring training, maybe they could trade him somewhere. And that's yeah. something I can see. And because they have plenty of, of catching depth. Yeah, but really, do they though? I mean, well, they, they did though. Trade... So they think they, they St- traded Cooper Hummel, right? Was he a, right. a catcher? Yeah. Yeah. The ca- ca- yeah. Catchers they had. yeah.
1: Yeah. So they yeah, got but, rid if they, of Hull- but if they trade Omar Narvaez, now look, I'm not against trading Omar Narvaez. You got to tell me what you're getting. Like if it's just the Mets saving money, no thanks. I don't need Steve Cohen to save more money. It doesn't do me any good. But if they're just, Trading Omar Narvaez because they figure they don't need him anymore. Who's your backup catcher? Your backup catcher probably becomes Tomas Nito. Kevin Parada's not coming up and be a backup catcher. Hayden Singer is going to be your backup catcher. So I prefer not to trade Narvaez. Not at this point. Not unless there's someone else you're adding. Like you're adding a major league backup catcher. So unless you're get, you're getting something good for him. Like if you're getting a real prospect for him, sure. I'm not going to refuse to trade Omar Narvaez. But... Right now, I like the Met catching depth in terms of Narvaez and Alvarez being the two guys on the roster because let's keep this in mind. you know, Our hope is Francisco Alvarez is going to have a monster year. That's our hope. And our hope is if they don't add a DH, he's the guy protecting Pete Alonso. And that's the difference maker. That's the slugging bat that we've been looking for to protect Pete. And let's say that happens in the best case scenario. He is still not going to catch every day. He's not. Now, maybe they'll DH him a lot more. There's a risk when you DH, though, your backup catcher or starting catcher. It doesn't allow you to take your other catcher out of a game. And if Tomas Nito's your other catcher, you're going to want to take his ass out of the game. Omar Narvaez, you feel like, ah, right, he can get his at-bats. So if Alvarez becomes the guy we really, really want him to be, Narvaez is still going to have to play. It's not like we're ever going to live in a world in which Alvarez is so good. Who cares who the backup is? The backup's always going to matter because no one's catching seven days a week. It's not happening. You know, and we'll find that out about Mendoza and Stearns. That's another thing we don't know. And that's a question for more for the season. And we'll do another episode where we have season questions. And that is, how often is Alvarez going to play? Buck Showalter ran guys and played them all the time. And I don't mean the younger players. I mean, the veterans. Will Mendoza do that? You know, does Lindor play every single day? Does Pete play every single day? Does Brandon Nimmo play every single day? Because there are organizations. In fact, we share a town with one of them where they don't play guys every day. They always have their maintenance days. They're off days. They're off day before the off day. So we have a brand new administration. We have a brand new manager. There's a brand new team president. We're going to find out how often they want to run guys out there. But that also includes the catcher. So right now, I don't want to trade Omar Navias. doesn't mean I can't trade him, but I'd prefer not to because I don't think you're as good of a baseball team, in my humble opinion. Any thoughts or questions that you want answered going into spring training, you can certainly share it with us, thericobee at gmail.com, b at gmail.com. Like I said, we got bonus episodes as we get ready for the start of spring training. We will have part two. Of our kind of in-depth look at the history of Mets off seasons, that's coming up. And like I mentioned, our breakdown on the Mets 26-man roster and how we predict they're going to line up for opening day at Citi Field in a little over a month. But I leave you with this one question, Pete. How excited are you that the Mets are going to give away Mercury Mets Mike Piazza jerseys on July 27th? Does that not excite you?
2: Does it excite me?
1: <laughs> Come on. The Mercury Mets are back. One uh, of the
2: dumbest promotions in the history of baseball. And it's I, back. I'm, I'm excited about some things. It's not that. I'm actually, there's one jersey that I am really excited about. It's the City Connect. I cannot wait to see what it looks like. Well, I let's am, see I, what it
1: looks like first. I mean, we, let's we'll see if it sucks or not. Like, we may all hate it for all. Uh,
2: I can't see how they're going to lose this. I feel like it's going to be beautiful. I think they could do so many great things with the City Connect. It can't be, it can't, listen, it's not going to be as flashy and as flary as a San Diego, but it's not going to be an ugly ass one like what, like Seattle, I think has pretty, some pretty bad ones. I think it's going to be gorgeous and I'm just I'm looking forward to it.
1: I look forward to seeing it and I think it's 75% likely I'm going to hate it. I think that's definitely on the table, but we'll talk about it when it comes out. We appreciate you uh, listening, downloading, and subscribing Rico Bronya. Get ready. We got more Ricos on the way as we get you through the first week of spring training.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.